Welcome to episode 135 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you're a new listener, of course, thank you for listening. I'm glad you found us. And if you're a returning listener, of course, you already know I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. You can follow me over there. You can tweet at me or what have you. Send me a message. Bring me topics, questions, comments, whatever you want to the show as they relate to Overwatch, Blizzard games, or just video games in general, as I'd love to talk about it on the show. You can, of course, find this podcast on podcast services around the globe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, if you enjoy what you hear today on One Man Watchpoint, check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, where you can also find me and my two co-hosts, Alex and Chris, talking everything formerly Vancouver Titans and sort of Toronto Defiant. Although currently, of course, with the Overwatch League uh, being done, and of course, as we ramp up into the Overwatch uh, Champions series, uh, we're taking a little bit of a break over on Ready, Set, Pwn. Uh, I'm sure we will come back once things kind of kick into gear with respect to the OWCS. But right now, you know, we took a bit of a break back in December. We came back for an episode once uh, OWCS was announced and everything. And now we're just kind of, we're just chilling. We're relaxing and maxing all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of a school and all that fun stuff. Well, we wait to see what really happens with the OWCS and how that looks. Of course, we know our format, we know the tournament, we know the platform, all this fun stuff. Uh, but it is sort of yet to be seen what it's actually going to look like once tournament play and competitive play really kicks off. So for now, follow the One Man Watchpoint feed for all your news and follow the Ready, Set, Pwn feed for everything as it relates to the Toronto Defiant and, of course, sort of the Vancouver Titans. We've of course got a lot to talk in talk in about talk about today. So, I think what we'll do is we'll get in there right away here and of course that will allow me to talk on the Vancouver Titans for a moment. I'll do this alone if I have to. All right, so as I mentioned, uh I want to first start things off by mentioning the Vancouver Titans because of course today as of recording is February 20th and today at 1 p.m mountain time the Vancouver Titans official Twitter account tweeted we want to take a moment to express our deepest gratitude to you our amazing fans your unwavering support has been the driving force behind every win and every unforgettable moment we've shared together while this chapter may be coming to a close the memories we've created will last a lifetime you have all been the heartbeat of our team Greenheart, Blueheart. Please follow at Seattle Surge to follow our journey in Call of Duty. So, of course, this was sort of big news because with the collapse of the Overwatch League and everything like that, we obviously saw a number of teams and organizations uh, tweeting out about their demise, right? About the organizations either, you know, uh, falling away to the wind or letting everyone go. Um, you know, even people in, in very high up positions like Albert Yeh, uh, GM of the Florida Mayhem, of course, the uh, champions of your final season of the Overwatch League being let go. We saw a lot changing. Now, we also uh, have in recent days had uh, announcements about teams coming back or, or reforming or, you know, starting anew 
for the Overwatch uh, Champion Series. But when it came to the Vancouver Titans, of course, fans of the organization and franchise will know that we hadn't heard anything. Um, what we had heard was, of course, players like Punk uh, and Crimzo, um, even you know a former Vancouver Titan like Shockwave. We had heard a lot of them talk on podcasts like the Tactical Crouch podcast, uh, which we'll you know touch on sort of uh, later on. But we heard many of them talk about the fact that, you know, yeah, they were no longer with Vancouver, but, you know, the experience this past season in terms of Crimson and Punk had been really good and things like that. Um, so that was great to hear. Good to hear that, you know, there were good things being said about the organization after, of course, it had a cloud over it for a while, for honestly a number of seasons after uh, the, the original roster kind of imploded in on itself. But for all intents and purposes... The organization, as we knew it, had sort of let everyone go, but uh, we had not gotten an official statement or or any notice about the organization actually, you know, saying goodbye, actually turning turning the lights off, so to speak, and you know, fully stepping out of Overwatch as a competitive esport. So this tweet here that came out today. Sorry, I had something in my throat there. Sound sound like I was getting all choked up for a, sec- for a second there. I was not. But anyways, um, if I had been, that wouldn't really have been that shocking. But anyways, uh, this tweet that came out today was kind of a, a shocker, you know, in a lot of ways. It was, it was a surprise to finally see a real announcement about this team. Now, of course, you know, they don't really say like, we're done, but they say, please follow the Seattle surge to follow our journey in Call of Duty League. And well, they say Call of Duty, but Call of Duty League. And, you know, it's interesting because the Seattle Surge are, of course, uh, owned by the same ownership group and everything like that. So that's that's why they're directing people over there. Um, but there's there's a nice little, you know, one-minute video just kind of highlighting the timeline of the Vancouver Titans, a few clips of all the different rosters and that kind of thing. So it was, you know, it was a nice little goodbye. Nice to see something from them. And, of course, they're thanking the fans and... You know, the video ends uh, by saying thanks for the memories. And now an interesting part that I just noticed is actually if you go to the Twitter account for the Vancouver Titans, of course, their banner is uh, a, an image of, you know, some of the, the shots from the video there. And it says thanks for the memories in, in the Vancouver Titans green. And then if you read the actual byline of the account, it says archive of the Vancouver Titans and at Overwatch League team in association with at Canucks, at Luminosity, hashtag Force of Nature, hashtag Titans time. And it's funny because the video was like, oh, that's nice. They're saying thanks. They're saying goodbye. But man, it really makes it real when you see that their their profile says archive of the Vancouver Titans. You know, that says to me someone is... You know, they're done, basically. They're not going to be logging into that Vancouver Titans Twitter account for a long time to come, if ever, from here. Um, so, interesting. Sad there. You know, if, if just as a comparison point, if I jump over to the Boston Uprising account, their account reads, Official account of Boston's at Overwatch League team, owned and operated by OGX Esports. Shop new merch, link below. And, you know, obviously that's not necessarily current, you know, the Boston Uprising are essentially no more, as most of these teams are not. But, you know, they, they didn't put that this account is an archive. If you go to the New York Excelsior, it says home of the New York Excelsior, the at NYXL team for at Overwatch League. 
again, same thing. You know, they're not they're not saying they're not saying that that's it. Guangzhou, Guangzhou Charge, same thing. Official Twitter of the Guangzhou Charge. You know, so it's just interesting that they put they updated their profile to say archive of the Vancouver Titans team. Oh, Vancouver Titans, sorry. Anyways, I wanted to bring that up, of course, uh, as I tweeted out today, because uh, the Vancouver Titans, as I've talked about many times, are the team that uh, I latched onto when I started following and watching the Overwatch League. Um, I've, you know, told the story a number of times, but back in the day when I was picking a team to follow, when I said, hey, I think I might get into this Overwatch League thing, um, you know, the first criteria was, I think there's some Canadian teams. What are they? They were Vancouver and they were Toronto. And as a Calgarian and Albertan, I said, well, I can't be a fan of Vancouver and I can't be a fan of Toronto. Um, and so I said, well, what's going to decide this is the record. And of course, the Vancouver Titans were at the top of their game at that point. So naturally, I said, okay, Vancouver it is. And I became a Vancouver Titans fan. Um, and from there, of course, I, you know, followed them very closely. I eventually started this podcast and followed them and many other teams even more closely. Um, I followed them through the collapse of the runaway roster uh, and through rebuilding and, you know, to some extent rebuilding their their street cred and, and everything like that, their reputation um, up until their final season, which was, you know, their best season since uh, their original roster. So very exciting stuff. Um, very, like I say, just sad to see them go, um, but happy that we, you know, in some way have a little bit of closure there for all of us fans. So anyways, now let's continue on because of course we have some actual stories to get to. But before we do that, I want to jump over to a little recurring segment here that is called required reading. So first things first, uh, I'm not going to read this whole article here. Um, I will make some recommendations, of course, but I would like to point everyone over to ggrecon.com with an article written by Yiska that says Toronto Defiant CEO Adam Adamu discusses recommitting to Overwatch esports. The reason I want to highlight this is because, um, well, obviously Adam Adamu is a uh, <laughs> a friend of the show here on One Man Watchpoint, also a friend of the Ready Set Pwn podcast. Um, Adam was, you know, in many ways integral to me going to the grand finals in uh, in Toronto this past season for the final season of the Overwatch League. Um, so I want to highlight this because there's that aspect, obviously because the Toronto connection, obviously Toronto being a uh, you know, being a fan of the Toronto organization and everything on my end. Um, and of course, because Yiska does some great reporting when he does these interviews and things like that. So first things first, go look at the, go look for this article. It'll be in the description of this episode. Um, of course it is on ggrecon.com. You can find it pretty easily just by Googling the title. Uh, but Yiska also actually pulled everything in the article from an interview that he did with Adam Adamu. So go watch it. It sheds some good light on, um, Anne, and I say Anne because he's just one guy, but Anne owner's perspective of the Overwatch League, uh, what's changing with the Overwatch World, uh, sorry, Overwatch Champion Series, and also some tidbits about what we might be able to expect from the Toronto Defi Defiant and overactive media brands, uh, you know, in the future, of course. So again, I'll just kind of read a little bit of the intro here just to lead you into it. And then, of course, it's required reading. So if you're listening to this, it is now required. You have to go find this article. You have to give Yiska the click. You have to read the whole article. 
and then, I don't know, tweet at him about how nice it is. So the article is once again titled Toronto Defiant CEO Adam Adamu Discusses Recommitting to Overwatch Esports, written by Sasha, Sasha Heinisch, published February 16th, 2024. Now, I did notice in the first five sentence, five words, sorry, uh, there's a bit of a spelling error here because Yiska writes Overactive Media CEO Adamu Adamu. And of course, it is Adam Adamu. Anyways. Uh, Adam Adamu remains bullish on Overwatch Esports, offering one of the scene's most competitive offers to its players. Despite skepticism from former Overwatch League team officials on the OWCS, Adamu doubled down that the ceiling of the new system was higher than Owl's, stating that, quote, the league was killing the game and the esport. On February 7th, the Toronto Defiant announced their return to Overwatch Esports with a star-studded roster incorporating three star starting members of the Florida Mayhem, the team that had won the last ever Overwatch League title in October 2023. Insiders behind the scenes shared with GG Recon that Toronto Defiant offered one of the most competitive packages to players, including a relatively high, though in comparison to OWL standards, modest salary. The team will also offer housing in Toronto, bringing their South Korean players someone and merit over to Canada to practice and compete. According to Adamu, Defiance budget was a decision based on their ambition to attend both the major at DreamHack Dallas and the Grand Finals in Stockholm, and also uphold standards that allow them to assess whether or not a continued investment in Overwatch Esports was uh, was viable going forward. I'll end with this part. It's a quote from uh, Adam, which says, quote, there's an opportunity here for this system to be bigger than the Overwatch League, said Adamu in an interview with GG Recon, elaborating that the open system had the chance to bring former stakeholders back into the scene. So I'll pause it there. Of course, there's much more to the article, but realistically, I mean, go watch the video. I believe it's just under an hour long. Um, you can find it on GG Recon's uh, YouTube channel, of course, um, or go to the article. You can find the uh, video embedded in there. But I watched it this past weekend. Um, again, uh, Yiska asks some good questions and gets some good tidbits out of Adam, especially if you're curious about the branding and the marketing aspect of the Toronto Defiant specifically, but also about things like, um, as he kind of alludes to at the start of the article there, uh, building the team and uh, sort of what they're providing to players and everything like that. Now, one thing I'll mention is, you know, I don't think it should be any secret the fact that, you know, looking at the roster they have and what they're providing players, the Toronto organization is going to be an outlier. If they don't, if they and their uh, players don't perform well, then that will be a major miss on Overactive Media's part and uh, a, a pretty big blemish. Because as we know, the Toronto Defiant have uh, long sought after success in the Overwatch League. It's, I believe, the only major esport that they take part in, uh, they being, of course, Overactive Media, the company that owns the Toronto Defiant. Um, they also own another, a number of other esports organizations. And the fact that Overwatch is the only one that they've never seen a great deal of success with, um, or, or you know, very high level success, uh, it, it's already a bit of a blemish on their record, but I would personally be concerned that if they can't make this roster perform um, to a very high degree, then there's a good chance that we don't see continued investment in Overwatch from the Toronto Defiant, um, or from Overactive Media, I should say. Now, Adam does talk as if that's not the plan. The plan is, of course, to continue with Overwatch, um, 
as an esport and of course he talks about the branding and he kind of he doesn't even really allude to it he directly says that yeah you know branding will change in the next season but in this being the first season of the overwatch uh champion series you know they kept everything the same it feels like and it seems like i'm just going to do a quick search here it i if i'm not mistaken they're even keeping toronto in the name and i'm taking a look here and that is what it says here um you know if you i jumped over to, to their twitter of course their banner says toronto defiant um their name is still toronto defiant at toronto defiant and their profile says the official toronto hashtag owcst so you know for all intents and purposes they are even keeping the toronto side of it whereas i don't think they will in the future or uh after this season but for now it's staying that way adam talks about that and he talks about what the future might look like as well in the article so if you're a toronto fan and you're listening to this and you haven't watched that or listened to it already then go do that because it's really interesting stuff uh from a fan perspective but as well adam always gives some really good insight on the business side and obviously a more positive and um i don't even know what to say uh almost the opposite perspective that I think most of the former Overwatch League, uh, you know, higher-ups are currently giving. Um, so, uh, Yiska directly calls out, um, who was it? I believe it was the Washington Justice uh, 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 GM, and his name, I can, Grant. Yes, Washington Justice, uh, blah, 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 VP of Esports Business at the Washington Justice, Grant Paranjapi. Uh, so, anyways he had a very negative uh perspective on what is happening with the overwatch league versus or sorry overwatch champion series versus the overwatch league um and yiska directly brings that up and you know juxtaposes it to adam's point of view um so anyways check it out it's fun it's good it's good good stuff i enjoyed it now we're going to jump back over to GG Recon here. Uh, it was, sorry, we're not actually. Mistake. Rewind. Anyways, go check out Yiska's article. It's a great one. Um, now that that's all taken care of, that's your required reading. I, I just spent, what, 15 minutes talking about required reading. But anyways, we've got a couple things going on in the game right now. Nothing too exciting. Um, one of which I'm actually going to just double check to make sure um, it's still available. So it was actually the Rosewood Moira skin was previously available. Uh, um, I'm just checking here. I can't see anything saying that it is currently still free, but check your Prime Gaming. You may be able to get it uh, for free. You could recently. If not, one thing that is still free, of course, is the uh, Twitch drops for five free Battle Pass tier skips. Uh, so it's basically, you know, the classic watch, watch two hours, four hours, six hours, two, four, six, eight, ten, something like that. Hours on Twitch of the Overwatch category, of course, someone with drops enabled and uh, you will earn yourself five Battle Pass tier skips. So definitely go in there. They'll go a long way with season nine being uh, about two weeks in, I believe at this point. So yeah, go check it out. And with all of that said, now we're through the required reading. We're through the what's going on in the game right now. And I think now it's time we got to the news. This is it. Push forward. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about here, um, we're going to stick with a little bit of Overwatch Champion Series news. Um, 
and then we'll kind of transition into some related news and then of course we'll talk a little bit about uh, just game news in general. Now the big thing here is of course this is an article about a specific team uh, coming back out of the woodwork if you will uh, with respect to the Overwatch Champion Series. Of course there have been a number of um, Overwatch Champion Series teams announced. Um, of course, we already talked about the Toronto Defiant. That's probably the you know the biggest and baddest of them all. Um, there was a team announced uh, with uh, players like Kaluge and Sam and I want to say Seeker um, and a few others. That one's uh, you know in terms of the North American region looking to be pretty decent. Um, of course, the former London Spitfire Core announced a team um, that they're going to be playing under. Uh, there was a I can't remember if it was a joke or if it was real, but a streamers, a retired streamers team coming out of the woodwork that was uh, Custa and Karku and a few others uh, playing together and things like that. Um, so, of course, we're seeing teams announced. We also saw a team announced by, I believe it was uh, Falcon Esports um, over in the Korean region. And we've got Proper, Chio, Stalker, Hanbin, Fielder, Smurf, and Sir Majed, uh, you know, forming a team, of course, with with Majed being the import in this case. So anyways, very interesting stuff there. Lots of these teams, again, sort of, I say coming out of the woodwork like like it's a bad thing, but um, realistically, like, you know, this is what we want to see. This is, this is how the scene grows and this is how people get hyped, right? These fan favorite players or organizations, um, you know, kind of coming back, I guess, out of the ashes would be a better way to put it. Out of the woodwork, uh, has kind of a negative connotation, but rising out of the ashes, we have these teams coming forth to compete in the OWCS. But this one in particular holds a bit of a special place in my heart, of course, and once I get into it, you'll understand why. So we're going to head on over again to GG Recon. We've got a number of GG Recon articles this week. Uh, another one by Yiska, this time published on February 14th. A little bit of old news by this point. This was announced on Valentine's Day, but here it is. Fan favorite Overwatch organization Runaway announces return. Esports organization and fan favorite Runaway has announced its return to competitive Overwatch. As owner Runner announced on his Twitter, his team will be making a comeback for the Overwatch Championship Series and is looking to participate in the Asia region. We've then got a tweet from at Runaway underscore OW that says in all caps, we are back. And it says February 14, 2024. Runaway, we are back in this nice, crisp, black and pink that I just love the look of. Um, continuing on with the article there, almost two years ago, Runaway announced that they would be stepping away from competitive Overwatch. In a Twitter post from June 2021, the organization around the sorry, around the couple Flowervin and Runner shared that they'd be taking a step back from the scene. While not citing specific reasons, the news arrived amid increasingly tightened budgets in the Overwatch League, making it more challenging for South Korean Tier 2 teams to ask for competitive buyouts. Throughout the history of the now-closed Franchise League, a majority of players came from the East Asian country, never fielding less than half of its total player base. Throughout its history, Runaway was one of the most elite promoters at the top tier level, not just contributing a large number of players, but also being the cradle for some of Overwatch Esports' most accomplished players, such as Season 5 champion Chio and Season 6 winner Merit. During OGN's Apex prior, sorry, Apex prior to the start of the Overwatch League, the team had made a name for itself as the perennial runner-up, finishing second in Season 2 and 4 before breaking the spell 
during the Overwatch Contenders Korea series, winning the trophies three times. During the second season of the Overwatch League, all of its roster was bought out by the Vancouver Titans, immediately shooting the expansion team up the rankings, winning Stage 1, and once again falling short of the trophy in the Grand Finals against the San Francisco Shock. Runaway is seen as a central organization to Overwatch Esports, not just due to its contribution of players to the Overwatch League, but also because of its cultural impact throughout its history. Initially, with the owner of the organization, Runner, still playing as a player, the pink sweater-wearing organization also amassed a sizable number of fans in Europe and North America. Close-fought battles against another fan-favorite org, Lunatic High, are held dear in Overwatch fans' hearts. With Overwatch Esports turning into an open system, Rumors had circulated that many former faces from the Apex era would be resurfacing to participate in the Overwatch Championship Series. Runaway's recommitment may be the first indication of a renewed interest going forward. In the Asia region, the OWCS is kicking off on Friday, February 16th with the first open bracket Swiss matches. Starting from an unannounced later date, OWCS South Korea will air on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays at 5pm KST slash 8pm BST slash 3am EST. So, of course, they touched on it there, but, you know, a big part of why I know of Runaway is, of course, because of the Vancouver Titans roster. Um, Being that I didn't follow the scene before, you know, even the first season of the Overwatch League, um, I didn't know the history and everything like that. But once, you know, I started following and got to know the roster and everything, of course, I, you know, dug in and and learned a lot of the history between Lunatic High, Runaway, all the players, um, and how a lot of these organizations really were, as Yiska points out, you know, cradles to a lot of top-tier talent that would eventually make its way into the Overwatch League. So, obviously, a lot of people are very excited to hear and see uh, Runaway, here it is again, rising from the ashes uh, to form this, you know, or to reform Runaway as we know it. Um, And, you know, there's a good chance they pull in a lot of people who who are lapsed fans, right? A lot of people left uh, the Overwatch League and just, you know, Overwatch in general over the years or when the, uh, you know, so-called reckoning happened with the Vancouver Titans and that roster kind of uh, disappeared to to history. Um, so it's very exciting stuff. Um, now, Yiska didn't actually talk about the roster, which I believe we have seen some of the roster there. I want to say people like Bumper were listed on it. Um, I want to say, I don't remember if Hacksaw was in there. Um, but there were a few of the old Runaway uh, roster that were listed on there from what I saw. Now, I don't know how true that was, um, because obviously it's not in the article Yiska posted there. But in any case, we could see a return of some uh, some big players. So moving on from there, we're going to head on over to .esports.com, this time with an article. Face It outlines Overwatch 2's new esports ranking system for OWCS seeding, including daily and weekly tournaments. Now, this is by Scott Dew, published on February 15th. Um, and this is kind of a look at the Face It system and how it's going to play into the tournaments um, or how it's going to provide the infrastructure with respect to uh, the OWCS. Um, so I wanted to bring this up. Now, for me personally, uh, you know, just looking at it, looking at everything that they've got planned here, it does get a little bit, I don't even know, a little bit complicated but overall you know as uh the system progresses as the tournaments progress and everything like that i do think that it um it it'll become more obvious and understandable and easy to follow as as things progress so anyways let's get in there so the article starts off the new system was outlined wait nope 
The Overwatch 2 esports ecosystem is returning with the advent of PC tournaments by Faceit starting today. The new system was outlined in a Faceit blog post detailing new daily and weekly WASB, which in brackets it says we are so back, cup tournaments. All of it will be fueled by Faceit's ELO ranking system, which will help determine seeding in upcoming Overwatch Championship Series OWCS Open Qualifiers. Quote, the ELO system will be used as a key ingredient in providing you with a fair and balanced experience in different types of competitions on the Faceit platform, and also serve as your personal compass indicating where you stand in terms of skill amongst your friends, your country, your regions, and in the entire Overwatch competitive community, the blog reads. The first time... OW2 players link their Faceit account to their Battle.net account, Faceit will, quote, automatically retrieve your best competitive role rank from your most recent completed season, bracket season 7 or 8, of Overwatch on, P uh, on PC, to give you a fair and accurate starting ELO, bracket between 625 and 1640 on Faceit. The top 1,000 players in each region will be placed into what's called a, uh, sorry, what's called, quote, challenger rank, which is quote, a mark of distinction for the best Overwatch players, pinpointing and showcasing exactly their true level and where they stand in the community, end quote. New daily and weekly tournaments will reward players with a monthly prize pool along with Faceit points to rank up in the in NA, EMEA, SA, and OCE regions. Quote, you'll get to assemble your teams, uh, your team and start competing under the official conditions and match settings of the OWCS, Faceit said. Quote, replicating the OWCS map pool and series structure will let you try out our veto system and improve your strategy and hero composition and team skills against the best Overwatch teams before the competition starts, end quote. The tournaments will uh, begin today, so players should, ex should head over to Faceit to sign up and begin their quest toward becoming an OW2 esports legend. So again, this is all a part of um, that sort of I know people used to throw this term around a lot, but this this grassroots system that Faceit is providing, this open system that Faceit is providing to allow essentially anyone a chance to become a pro, right? If you are good enough and skilled enough um, in ranked and everything like that, you will play within the system. You will progress through it and eventually, you know, rise, if you're good enough again, rise to the top where, you know, ideally you will then either get noticed or you can use that as your, you know, uh, resume to trial, try out, whatever, um, for OWCS teams that are actually competing in OWCS and everything like that. So it's really interesting. Um, you know, I, I appreciate this breakdown for someone like me who's a dum-dum and who uh, has not followed an open system like this before, who simply knew the Overwatch League and understood that system because... It was relatively straightforward and very North American tailored when it comes to professional sports. Um, so I appreciate this breakdown because it really does kind of simplify things to me. Um, and again, you know, I'm I'm excited to see where this goes and how exactly uh, how players make it through the ranks um, and do eventually get noticed and signed to rosters and things like that. I'm really excited to see how the top level play in OWCS. This is totally tangential, but. Uh, I'm really excited to see how the top level play turns out, right? How many new faces are we really going to see? Of course, you know, the exact number of Overwatch League players isn't going to remain the same, or, you know, not every player from the Overwatch League is going to carry over into OWCS. Many have already retired um, and will not be coming back and things like that. But I'm very curious to see just how much representation uh, there is from from previous years in the Overwatch League, so... 
anyways, that's your breakdown of that. Now, again, as I mentioned, covering some OWCS news and transitioning into general game news, we've got a nice bridge here with some Overwatch League news. You'll understand what I mean in a second. So we're going to read another article by Yiska on GG Recon, this time posted on February 20th. That's today when this was announced. And it reads, a goat of Overwatch Esports profit has announced his retirement. Former London Spitfire and Soul Dynasty Overwatch star DPS Prophet has announced his retirement from professional play. After seven years at the top level of competition, the inaugural Overwatch League champion and Grand Finals MVP is hanging up the mouse. On social media platform Twitter, Prophet thanked his former teammates and fans, stating that he, quote, learned and experienced a lot as an esports player. Starting out with GC Busan, during OGN Apex's Season 4, Prophet took the scene by storm, winning his first season at the top level with an outstanding Grand Finals performance against local rivals Runaway. Transferring to the London Spitfire as part of the merger of the two squads, Kongdu Pantera and GC Busan, Prophet continued his streak of unbeaten Grand Finals performances, winning Stage 1 and eventually the championship during the inaugural season with one of the scene's most remembered Grand Finals performances against the Philadelphia Fusion. After a mediocre second season for the Spitfire during the GOAT's composition era, he still showed strong performances on various heroes, demonstrating his flexibility by playing a great Brigitte for the team. With the Spitfire reevaluating its roster building strategy in Season 3, the South Korean joined his home country's franchise, the Seoul Dynasty, helping lift the franchise to its first and only grand finals, losing to the San Francisco Shock in a close 4 2 series. I don't know about close, but. He would remain the Dynasty's franchise player for the remaining three seasons, remaining the reliable star player for the team, even scoring a Roll Star title in Season 5, and winning the franchise's only stage title in the Eastern region. During his career, Prophet tended to perform when it mattered the most, being in contention for the best player on the server during each grand final he participated in. With fans eventually coming to, sorry, coining the term playoffs Prophet for his ability to stand out in high-pressure situations. Quote, To me, being a pro gamer means always doing well on stage. It comes with a lot of pressure, but it's also the reason I decided to take on this career, since playing in big tournaments is always incredibly enjoyable. My goal as a pro is always to be victorious at the end, Prophet said in an interview after his team's victory at the Barclays Center in 2018. Surmising his performances, her performance, sorry, back then, he said, quote, I think I showed everything I had during playoffs, end quote. For many fans, Prophet has been the frontrunner in the GOAT conversation in the Overwatch esports scene, staying consistently in the top five conversations for his role each season. As the first player in, o in OWL, sorry, in Overwatch League, Prophet cracked the 10,000 elimination barrier and ended his career with over 7,000 total final blows, over 1,000 ahead of rival Carpe, and Season 3 MVP, Fleta. Now, I gotta take a moment to apologize, because you may have just heard my phone ringing. It was very quiet, uh, but it was ringing faintly. I had to answer it. I paused. Whatever. Let's jump back in there. With the death of the Overwatch League and a different economic reality in its new system, the Overwatch Championship Series, many players have openly talked about the possibility of retirement amid uncertainty about the sustainability of a professional career. So, of course, wanted to bring this up because of the legacy that is profit, right? Yiska hits it all, hits, you know, every nail on the head there. Um, he's easily one of the most talked about players in the GOAT conversation. Um, you know, he, there's there's maybe a handful of other players that come up regularly. Um, but like I say, I think if anyone who knows the scene 
talks about greatest of all time Overwatch League players, Prophet's name always comes up, you know. Um, for me personally, I know the legacy. Uh, obviously, I didn't experience any of that, you know, his 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 mega um, performance ability live, really, uh, except for, I guess, the San Francisco uh, win over the Soul Dynasty in the Grand Finals um, in Season what was that season three season four um but ultimately you know i can appreciate the legacy that he had um and obviously i know many many fans of prophets um and he's he's you know by all means he deserves the title um or at least being in contention for that title of greatest of all time in the overwatch league so wanted to highlight that moving on from there we're at a point now where we'll kind of transition over into some more general overwatch news so we've got a couple articles here uh, again both both posted today on february 20th um they're both from dexerto one by michael gwilliam the first one and the second by jeremy gone i want to read through them here now this frequently happens when i read from dexerto there's a little bit of um, editorializing from the author but oh you know if i see it i'll call it out so our first one here is going to be titled Overwatch 2 Hero Designer Reveals Reaper Rework Update After Testing New Ability. Overwatch 2's lead hero designer Alec Dawson has shared a big update on Reaper's planned rework in an interview with Twitch streamer ML7. The Overwatch 2 community has been awaiting news on a rework on a reworker that should be reworked uh, Reaper since the game's release and while we haven't seen anything in action yet the devs have been experimenting. Since its release, we've seen quite a few reworks to existing heroes to varying extremes with Sombra and Farah being the most recent characters to have their kits adjusted. Now, I believe... I could be crazy, but I believe Roadhog was actually after Sombra. I think it went Sombra, Roadhog, Farah. Anyways, doesn't matter. Reaper is one of the devs... The Sorry, one hero the devs have indicated plans to rework as well with the goal of modernizing his kit. But according to Alec Dawson, the team has reevaluated some changes after testing them out. Speaking with popular support streamer ML7, Dawson was asked about which hero reworks the team decided against, and the dev revealed that Reaper's rework has been a bit troublesome. Quote, I wouldn't say decided against, postponed or maybe reevaluated what we want to do. One in particular that comes to mind is that we're uh, that we're looking at right now is Reaper. It's about how big that set of changes is going to be one day or how small it's going to be. According to Dawson, the devs have been playing around with cha uh, changes to the Talon DPS hero, including giving him a right-click secondary fire ability, but it just didn't work out. Quote, it doesn't necessarily really fit completely. We don't want to add buttons just to add buttons. We're looking at modernizing some of his abilities like Shadow Step. How can we make that a more interesting ability, he said. How can we bring that ability into the future, end quote. Dawson went on to say that at the end of the day, it's possible that the only thing that gets changed is Shadow Step, but have it be extremely polished. We still don't know when a Reaper rework will eventually emerge from the shadows, but with the year still young, it's certainly possible that we get this revamped hero in a patch sometime in 2024. So, you know, of course, uh, nothing nothing too groundbreaking there, but nice to hear again the devs talking about the fact that they're looking at the entire roster, right? Um, I do see a future where every character... Let me rephrase that. I see a future where no character plays the same as we know them traditionally um now of course you could argue that's already happened with you know characters being tweaked on the regular but ultimately um 
you know, I think a character like Reaper, although there have been some sort of major changes, like the, the whole life orb and life steal changes and things like that, um, Reaper's been fairly consistent. But I do see a future where, where yeah, his his kit largely changes or or he plays, you know, significantly different than how we're used to him playing. But overall, you know, who knows? Um, I think they would they would like to improve Reaper because I think Reaper is kind of, in some ways, a bit of a face of the game. Um, you know, where you've you've got a few characters that are distinctly like you know, m maybe not most people, but a fair number of people could look at one of these characters or another and say that's an Overwatch character. And I think Reaper, in a lot of ways, is one of them. So. Anyways, let's head on over to our final article here. This time, again, we're still with Dexerto. As I mentioned before, this is by Jeremy Gone. And it reads, Overwatch 2 dev locks in Zenyatta nerfs for February 21 Season 9 update. An Overwatch 2 dev has confirmed Zenyatta, among other heroes, will be getting nerfed in the imminent February 21st update with a Widowmaker nerf looming as well. As Season 9 of Overwatch 2 goes through its first weeks, it's become apparent that Zenyatta is the meta. To the point many tank players are calling the role, quote, unbearable, thanks to his survivability on, uh, sorry, and Discord orb. However, tank players can celebrate as devs have revealed Zen is getting an immediate nerf, with Widowmaker nerfs also being announced to follow at some stage in the near future. Revealed in an interview with Overwatch streamer ML7, lead hero designer Alec Dawson talked about the changes that will be coming in the next Season 9 patch for February 21st. For the all-important Zenyatta nurse, Dawson said, quote, What we want for Zenyatta is once you get to Zenyatta, that's not where Zenyatta can be as survivable, he can, quote, he continued. So he's too survivable, and he has too much in terms of being, I would say, being a nuisance when you're in that zone, end quote. Dawson revealed that Zenyatta will be getting nerfs to his kicks knockback, and his health is also getting a nerf to make Zen feel like a, quote, glass cannon by reducing his survivability. The dev also revealed that Widowmaker is getting a nerf to her projectile size, making it smaller in the updates. Quote, it is something we're looking at. I think it's a little bit too high than it is currently, so we're probably going to lower that projectile size for Widowmaker, end quote, Dawson said. However, Dawson did not confirm if the nerfs were coming in the February 21st update. Dawson then revealed that Mercy and Diva's pistols will be getting a projectile size nerf too, with Tracer also being mentioned as a potential nerf. Other heroes like Zarya, Roadhog, Hanzo, and Lucio are getting some changes. However, Dawson did not mention if it was a nerf or a buff. Junkrat, in particular, is also getting a buff, with his projectile size being increased, and so will Ilari. So again, a lot of uh, a lot of tweaks being mentioned there. Um, ultimately, again, I like to highlight this kind of thing because I think this this is what the game needs, right? And and I think they've pretty much gotten in a good cadence with respect to tweaking the game on the fly, um, <clears throat> where we do get these, you know, obvious season changes, um, and then shortly after that we get some tweaks. Um, and sometimes we even get, you know, another tweaking patch sort of after that kind of thing before the season ends. But, you know, in terms of a live service game, this is what we need. Um, personally, I mean, I, I get the Zen nerfs. I don't think, I, I didn't think Widow had seemed that oppressive, or at least not as a standout from other characters, other heroes. Um, so I was a little bit surprised to hear that one. But the Zenyatta, uh, you know, OPness, I think was pretty much known to all at this point. Um, for me personally, I've been playing a lot of Season 9 already. Um, I finally did my competitive placement matches for the first time, I think, in Overwatch 2. First time since maybe Season 1 of Overwatch 2. Um, and I had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I'm actually finding that, 
you know, I think the system placed me pretty much where I'm at. You know, I'm winning a decent amount, but also losing a decent amount. It seems pretty even, pretty balanced. Um, but I am pushing towards getting out of the current rank that I'm in. Um, and I'm also pleased to, to say that, you know, I did actually place higher than I have ever placed in competitive, um, landing me in gold four, which honestly is probably not that impressive. Uh, but as someone who would have said they were wood tier before, um, hey, I was, I was pretty happy with that. Um, of course, right now we have an influx of newer players coming to the game with this, you know, new season and it being touted as, you know, a rank reset and everything like that. So probably a good chance it's a little bloated, but hey, we'll see if I can maintain or, uh, you know, work my way through gold and get into plat. That would, that would be very exciting, very very unlikely but anyways i digress i've been having a lot of fun with this season so far um i do think that the projectile size changes and everything like that have been pretty satisfying um you know overall i would say i'm positive on the major changes they made there's some tweaks that could be done of course um you know again coming back to zen he does feel a little op he's probably uh probably the one that i think everyone can kind of agree on but aside from that, I think they did a, a pretty good job with most of their changes. It's a little bit sad for me to see uh, certain characters being as underpowered as I think they are. Um, you know, characters like Ilari. I think Ilari has such a fun and satisfying feel to her that it's really kind of too bad that she is probably one of the weaker supports right now. Um, but, you know, as Alec Dawson mentioned there, they are looking at... Uh, um, doing some tweaks to Ilari as well, um, in particular buffing her. Um, and then, of course, as I mentioned, I think on last episode, uh, I've actually randomly been really enjoying Lifeweaver. And with Season 9, I mean, Lifeweaver seems almost useless, really. Um, you know, I'm, I'm playing a lot of Lucio right now, which has been a lot of fun. Um, I am playing a fair amount of Zen as well when I need to. Um, and jumping into, you know, a few other support characters as well there. So, anyways... I think overall, I think season nine is probably, probably one of the better ones. Um, maybe one day we'll do like a ranking of all the seasons because that, that could be a lot of fun. Um, I know which two would be my bottom two, of course, uh, but, but I'd be really curious where I feel like I land on these other seasons because season eight, I mean, I was obviously very high on season eight as well. I went farthest in the battle pass I've ever gone. I think earning three of the of the, you know, uh, extra tier titles, which is the first time I've ever done that. I've earned two, I think, a number of times, but the first time I ever got to three. Um, and I had a lot of fun with that season, although I didn't play it a ton during the days when Malga was very OP, and, you know, it was basically you were just playing Malga versus Malga. Um, I, I wasn't having a ton of fun with that, so I just kind of backed off for about the first half of the season, then they patched him, and they nerfed him, and suddenly it was playable again, and I had a ton of fun for the second half of the season, so... Anyways, I'm pretty high on Season 9. Um, we'll see where it ranks overall. I love the theme. I love the Eldritch Horror side of things. Um, and I'm already, you know, partway through the Battle Pass, uh, obviously making making some good progress. So that's where I'm at with the game, and uh, that's where the devs are at with the game. And I think with all of that said, we'll head on over, and we'll wrap this show up. I feel greatly empowered. Well... That's been episode 135 of One Man Watchpoint. One Man Watchpoint is, of course, your Overwatch show where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, one thing I actually didn't mention in the show here is the fact that apparently the Overwatch Creators Summit, or whatever they call it, is going on right now. Now, 
I have to assume there's some threshold in terms of followers and things like that that you have to meet in order to be invited into this this exclusive club. But I want to know what that threshold is, you know? I, I want to know what exactly that means because I look at some of these creators that are being invited out there and I'm like, man, other you got one lane, you know? <clears throat> other than maybe streaming, do you do you do that much and now granted like look here i i have one lane as well i'm doing this podcast thing um i would love to expand that but it does feel a little bit like do i have the time you know that kind of thing do i have the the wherewithal to really do that but hey i mean maybe if i took a shot then maybe i could get invited into that anyways um i'm sure we'll get some news out of that or in the coming weeks we'll we'll hear a lot more about what exactly happened there and and how everything looked and some of the new features and things like that, that they're no doubt showing those uh, that exclusive club. But it is ongoing right now. And if you want to get me in there, then then hey, do it. If you work for Blizzard and you somehow are listening to this small-time podcast on episode 135 that's been running for over four years now, then hey, I mean, you know, hit me up. You know how to reach me, at Sir Dr. JM. You've been listening to One Man Watchpoint. Of course, thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends, leave a review, all that fun stuff five-star review because why are you leaving a review if you're not leaving a five-star review i'm your host sir dr jam that's at sir drjm and you can follow me on all socials where i'd love to interact with you so bring me whatever you got over there we'll be back in probably a couple of weeks here assuming we get some news and things to talk about that puts us in our first episode in march and of course by then we will actually probably be looking at owcs to really kick off in the north american region so we might just have some good stuff to talk about so that's going to be that for episode 135. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out the required reading in the description below. Of course, that is Toronto Defiant CEO Adam Adam who discusses recommitting to Overwatch Esports uh, over on GG Recon. Again, I'll link to it in the show notes. But check it out. Continue to follow One Man Watchpoint. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Oh, you shouldn't have.